Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Duo. I'm Matt. And I'm Kate. And today we are discussing Captain America the Winter Soldier. Which was released in 2014. Yeah, we are making progress. This is six years since the MCU started. Right. So, and now we're doing Marvel Studios is the one doing this instead of Paramount. Yep. And the Russo brothers directed this movie. Yes, the Russo brothers, Kevin Feige actually gave the job to the Russo brothers because of the work that they did on two back-to-back episodes of the show Community, the season two paintball two-parter. But because of that, this is the first movie, or the first Marvel movie, with two co-directors instead of a single director. Yeah, and they did a phenomenal job. This movie is really good. I'll tell you from the get-go, like, I really enjoyed this movie. This movie starts out with Captain America running around the... What's the monument? That the looks, Washington Monument. Yeah, it looks it looks oddly phallic. Yeah. So we get Captain America running around the Washington Monument, and we get the classic scene of On Your Left, where he is very much passing uh, Anthony Mackie, who plays Sam, who later is Falcon, who used to be a pararescue person. Yes, which... Typically is go in with a parachute or a plane or something like that, but he was a little different, which we find out later. Yes, and you can see right off the bat that Sam Wilson is already, every time Captain America passes him and says, on your left, he's like, no! And he, like, sprints at his top speed, and Captain America just obviously, he's a super soldier. (laughs) He laps him, no problem. A fun fact about Anthony Mackie for this role, he actually emailed Marvel Studios constantly because he wanted to be in a movie he wanted to be in a superhero movie and kevin feige saw his emails and gave him the part of falcon yeah just uh, it just goes to show you what perseverance can do what is that that our parents like at we as millennials our boomer parents always are like the squeaky wheel gets the oil yep. that's saying that they always in this case it worked out for him it, it really did and we have a great introduction to the character Yeah, we see that they bond almost immediately. They connect about the military, and Sam asks him, you know, what's it like? You missed a lot while you were gone, and he encourages him to listen to... Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man album. Yes, and we see that Cap has a list of all the things he's missed out on, and I have a list here of some of the items. I just want to list those off real quick. The internet, (laughs) I Love Lucy, television, moon landing, Berlin Wall, up and down. Steve Jobs, Apple, Rocky, Rocky 2, Star Wars slash Trek, Disco, Thai food, Nirvana, banned in parentheses. An interesting thing about that list is that every, or not every version, but uh, most of the translated versions of this movie that were released theatrically in other countries have a different list. Oh, wow. Based on what country it is in. That's really cool. So then we get to see uh, Natasha driving up. Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow. She rolls up in a vehicle, and she sees Cap and Sam talking, and she goes, Hey guys, I'm here to pick up a fossil. And that line's really cool. And we see that Sam kind of is like, Oh, hey, what's up, girl? And then uh, Cap goes, Because they have an issue, which is that there are pirates in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, there's a shield tanker that has veered off course because it's been overtaken by pirates, and S.H.I.E.L.D. has to go take care of it, like the, the strike force that is led by, not really led by, but works with Cap and Black Widow. But they, the boat the boat is trespassing. It's not off course. Right. 
And that's like that's the problem. Like they have to go make sure that the pirates are taken care of, so that it doesn't get discovered that they were trespassing. Right. And the name of that yes. boat is the Lemarian Star. Yes. And then we also get warned. Well, Cap gets warned that the head of the pirates is a mercenary named Baltrock. Baltrock. And Jasper Sitwell is one of the shield agents that is actually on the boat, and he looks familiar. Tell us why he looks familiar. He looks familiar because he is actually on the helicarrier in the Avengers. I don't think he does anything important on the helicarrier. We just see him there. Yeah, we like recurring characters even if they're not important. Exactly. Continuity, we enjoy that. Yeah, it's nice. We also get to see them, so they're being sneaky. This is a sneaky mission. We see them jump out of a plane to kind of like parachute down onto this boat. Cap does not have a parachute. That man just yeets out of that plane. Does a a cool little flip and a pencil dive. True, but Um, we get to see cool stealth infiltration from Cap, which we don't normally see stealth stuff from Cap. Yeah, we get to we get to see stealth. We get to see the stealth painted shield. We see some really cool fight choreography. One dude gets kicked in the chest by Cap, which one hundred percent those people are dead. Yeah. Fun fact: if an adult kangaroo kicks you in the chest. It can stop your heart, and you are dead immediately. So yeah. if Captain America kicks you in the chest, you probably gonna die. Yeah, because kangaroos don't have super soldier serum. Correct. So this strike force that you were talking about earlier is led by somebody called Rumlow. Yes. And he's played by Frank Grillo. He ends up being important a little later in this movie, but also in a follow-up movie. Yeah, one of the cool things about this movie, and the fight choreography in it, and... Not just this opening, but also the other action scenes that we see in it, is that the Russo brothers wanted as much practical effects as possible. So I, th- I think it was a quote from Anthony Mackie who was saying, basically, if they could build it, they built it. If they could do it, they did it. They used as little CGI as possible. There was really only one scene that typically would be practical effects with makeup that was actually done with CG, and that is old Peggy Carter. This movie, I cannot tell you the bonding that we get between Natasha and Cap. There is so much good chemistry between the two of them. We really get to see their friendship kind of blossom during this. We see that Natasha wants Steve to date someone. She's like pestering him about it. He's like, you should get back out there and date some people. And also her hair is lighter in this movie, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Her removing the red from her ledger. As the movies progress, her hair gets lighter and lighter until I think in Infinity War, her hair is blonde. And also Cap knows French. He doesn't actually speak it, but he understands it. I think that probably comes from the World War II era of working with a lot of French soldiers, that kind of thing. And in that scene of Batroc talking to him in French, Batroc is a French Algerian, and the actor who plays him isn't actually an actor. He's a UFC fighter named Georges St-Pierre, who is French-Canadian, and he just uses his French-Canadian accent when he speaks French, which only a French speaker would recognize. That's just a fun little thing about about that scene. Yeah, they end up they end up fighting. Bethrock is known as the Leaper in the comics, so he uses a lot of jumping and kicking attacks. And he convinces Cap to put the shield down and fight him hand-to-hand for some reason. Yeah, and but Cap still wins that fight. Yeah, and by throwing Batroc through a window, discovers that Black Widow is actually there on a secondary mission of getting information from the Lemurian Star. 
Right. They do rescue the hostages. We also get to see that Natasha and Steve work really well as a team together. Not just when fighting, but also when communicating and like doing things other than fighting. Cap is upset that he wasn't included on the plan. And when they get back to the Triskelion? Triskelion. Triskelion, which is the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. He tells Nick Fury all about it. And he's like, bro... Not cool. Which, Nick Fury, there's a quote from Nick Fury that he he says, Last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Which, we now know how he lost an eye. It's revealed in the Captain Marvel movie. Which, we won't say that spoiler here. But that's not true at all. He did not lose an eye by trusting someone. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. So we find out about S.H.I.E.L.D. and Project Insight and Stark Engines. Project Insight is the helicarrier project where there are three of them correct yeah there are three helicarriers that are intended to be used for defense the the stark engines are great because fury makes a comment about stark wanting to have a hand in the next helicarriers and helping with the propulsion because he got a a closer look which is a a callback to the avengers when iron man got stuck in the propeller yeah so they now run off of propulsion instead of the propellers but as cap sees it it is holding a gun to the heads of every american and telling them they're free it's a big a big comment on the fear versus freedom of sacrificing freedoms for security and it's a question that they don't necessarily have an answer for right and project insight was only made out of that fear after the battle of new york when Earth realized there are other threats. There are threats from literal other galaxies that I think S.H.I.E.L.D. realized how underprepared they were. So I think Project Insight was bred from from the get-go out of fear. Yes. Um, so we also get to see Cap. He leaves after that, after that whole conversation. And he goes to the Smithsonian where he sees a homage to himself. Yeah, the Captain America exhibit, which is just a expositional reminder of what happened in the last Captain America movie. Right. It's basically just a rundown of what happened to him, what happened to his best friend Bucky Barnes, who is presumed dead, and Peggy Carter, who we find out right after this, Steve goes to see Peggy as an old lady. Yes. And that, that is the scene that they actually used CGI to make her look older because the Russo brothers thought that... When you use makeup to make people look old, they all end up looking the same. So they used CGI to like change the bone structure of her face and various other things that happen when you age that just doing makeup doesn't necessarily affect. Right. We also find out that Peggy did get married to a, another soldier from, was it in Steve's battalion or it was just he was also a soldier in the war? He was also a soldier. He was one of the soldiers that Steve saved at some point. Mm. I don't remember. Was it from the Hydra base that he saved? I don't remember if it said specifically if it was then or if it was just during the course of the war. But we also see in that scene, heartbreakingly, that Peggy has memory issues. She's either got Alzheimer's or dementia or something, and uh, she has some trouble remembering. Yeah. And it you can see it it's breaking Steve's heart. We also get to see that Shield is run by a group of people. The council. We actually do see them in the Avengers, just much more dark screens and harder to to see them. We see them legitimately in this movie. In the flesh. 
Yeah. Her secretary, Pierce, is part of this council, and he's friends with Nick Fury. Yes. And Fury approaches him because Fury has some suspicions about Project Insight, and he basically encourages Pierce, he asks him to stop Project Insight, to shut it down. Or to postpone it. To postpone the launch, at least. Right. And they do, don't they? No. He just says they will. He says that they will, yeah. And then we get some more friendship building with Sam because Cap goes and visits Sam at the VA where Sam works. And because Sam encourages Cap to come because of his PTSD from the war. And we find out about Riley, who is Sam's friend that died when he was a pararescue person. Yeah, his partner. We also get to see Agent Hill is... Still working with Fury because when he... When he leaves S.H.I.E.L.D., he calls her and tells her that he needs her in D.C. in, like, hours, if possible. And then we see that Fury is paranoid because his car is really cool and has a whole lot of defensive stuff, which comes in handy as he is attacked by several police officers that aren't actually police officers. Yeah, and in that whole, like, scene where these police are just, like, trying to kill Nick Fury, Nick is talking to his car, and his car informs him that there are no police dispatched to his area. Right. So we are aware that these are not actual police. They're just disguised as police. My question for this whole thing, does Nick Fury not have a cell phone? Could he not call someone? Like this whole sequence, he's just talking to his car and he's like trying to get away to call the actual police. I mean, he probably doesn't think about it. He's in he's in fight or flight mode. He's currently in, in fight until you can flight. Well, we then are introduced to the Winter Soldier, because as Nick is getting away, the Winter Soldier has a bazooka. It's not really a bazooka, it's, I don't know, it shoots like a explosive disc, goes up under the SUV that he's driving. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And also, apparently, Nick Fury has lightsaber technology, because that's how he escapes. He just cuts a hole in the ground and escapes into the sewer system. But also, it's just in a perfect circle. Does this man have lightsaber technology? I mean, he is Mace Windu, because I don't remember ever seeing Nick Fury without gloves on. So, he may have a mechanical hand underneath that glove, and it's just Mace Windu. You tell us, Russo brothers, that definitely listen to this podcast. (laughs) Anyway, so so Fury goes to one of the few places that he feels is safe, which is Steve's apartment. Which we find out because Steve comes home from meeting with Sam at the VA, and his neighbor, who is a very attractive lady who Natasha encouraged him to ask out. They have a conversation in the hallway, and he, like, invites her for dinner. And she's like, sorry, you don't want me to come over. I've been working in the infectious disease unit at the hospital. (laughs) And (laughs) he was like, okay, we'll rain check that. And then she's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you left your music on in your apartment. And then Cap's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then we see... (laughs) That Cap shimmies up the fire escape on the outside and goes in through the window. Yes. And in that in that scene, when he comes through the window, you can actually see for a second a copy of the book, All the President's Men, which was adapted into a movie, and Robert Redford, who plays Secretary Pierce, was in that movie. Wow, that's funny. Cap goes into his house and sees Nick Fury holding a gun, sitting in a chair, badly wounded. They have a conversation. They, they have a coded conversation as Fury, like, types things out and shows them to Steve and basically warns him, like, everything is bugged or could be bugged, I don't know, and tells him that he can't go home because his wife kicked him out and... He types out, don't trust anyone. Yeah, 
and Steve asks if anyone else knows about his wife and Fury types out just you and me and then he says and he says just my friends so that's kind of kind of a cool thing of like that's his way of showing Steve I I trust you don't trust anybody else though right and then we see Nick Fury gets shot in the back by a sniper from across the across the way and Kate the neighbor who we just talked about works in the infectious disease ward in the hospital she busts through the door with a gun because she's a shield agent undercover yes she's agent 13 who is tasked with keeping an eye on Steve and he asks who like who ordered it and she sees fury like bleeding out on the floor and just goes him the shooter it's the Winter Soldier. Like, we see that already. And Cap chases after him and throws his shield at him. And the Winter Soldier catches Cap's shield. Catches his shield and throws it back at him. And we see that he has a metal arm. And it's Soviet-made because it's got the little star on it. The red star, yeah. And so then we go to the hospital. Yes. As they attempt to save Nick Fury, we see Steve, Natasha, and Maria Hill all watching as... Nick Fury dies, and all three of them are very emotional about it. Yeah, it's and it's so strange seeing Natasha become emotional when she literally is the Black Widow and was trained in the Red Room and has seen all of this terrible, terrible stuff and is used to people dying, and she is greatly affected by Nick Fury's death. We then see that Steve is taking Nick Fury's advice, and he doesn't trust anybody, not even Natasha. Right. Before before he died, Fury actually gave Steve the flash drive with the information from the Lemurian Star. And Steve goes and talks to Secretary Pierce, who tries to play him a little bit and yeah. drops the fact that like they traced the pirates on the Lemurian Star back to Fury. Saying that he hired the pirates himself. Yeah, and kind of trying to get Cap to side with him, but Steve's not really having any of it. But Steve confides in Secretary Fierce and tells him that the last thing Nick Fury told him was don't trust anyone. And then Secretary Pierce makes the comment, hmm, don't trust anyone. I wonder if that included him. Like talking about Nick Fury. And so after that scene, Cap is leaving and he gets into the elevator to leave. And he notices that lots of people are getting in and not a lot of people are getting out. Yeah, it's... It's really cool. We actually see if you if you pay attention right before the door closes, you actually see him like looking up and surveying the space in the elevator as he knows this fight is coming and he is preparing for it. But the entirety of the strike strike force gets into the elevator and not all of them, but most of them and then there's a couple of guys in suits with briefcases. And Cap notices that it's about to go down because he sees the people that are standing next to him sweating. Yeah, they're sweating, they're like fingering their weapons, all this kind of thing. And we get the the great line of him just going, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? And they just immediately stop the elevator and have the great elevator scene which, they're not trying to kill Cap. They're trying to capture him. They're trying to detain him. Yes, because the, the briefcase handles are these magnetic cuffs that they try to get on him. It's just such a great fight. 
and it's actually parodied another connection with Community in, I think, the sixth season of Community. The elevator fight is parodied in another paintball episode as an homage to the Russo brothers. That's really funny. Um, Before, I forgot to mention something. So before Cap goes to meet Secretary Pierce, you mentioned that he did have the thumb drive. He hid the thumb drive in the vending machine so that he didn't have it on his person when he went to go meet Secretary Pierce. Yes. And so after this fight scene, when Captain America gets away from everybody, he goes back to the hospital to retrieve the the thumb drive, which he put in the gubble the, the gubble bum <laughs> the bubblegum dispenser. And he goes back to the hospital and the all of the bubblegum is gone. And Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow, walks up to him chewing and popping said bubblegum and holds up the thumb drive and is like, You looking for something? Yeah. And they they have a very tense conversation where I think Uh, Natasha is trying to get him to trust her. He is not really wanting to trust anyone, especially a super spy, but she kind of convinces him, like, hey, I'm I'm on your side in this. And so they both go to try and figure out what's on this thumb drive and avoid S.H.I.E.L.D., basically. Right, so they're on the run. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has put out a thing saying Captain America is wanted, um, also, Natasha reveals that she knows who the Winter Soldier, not that she knows who the Winter Soldier is, but she knows of the Winter Soldier. Yeah, she's had a run-in with the Winter Soldier in the past. Right, and that he's crazy good, and she warns Cap that this is going to be a rough fight. And they make the comment that for the past 50 years, the Winter Soldier has been doing things. Yeah. And they're like, how is this man not an old man and then they come to the conclusion oh well he has to be a super soldier yeah and he's been on cryo and all these different things but they go to a mall which apparently the location where this mall was filmed is the same location that they filmed the loki german opera eye mortification scene in the avengers oh yeah but they go to this mall to a computer store where they hook up the the flash drive and are able to figure out that the information on the Lemurian star came from a location in New Jersey. And we see very quickly that S.H.I.E.L.D. descends on them and pinpoints their location rather quickly. And we have the awesome scene of where they're, they're wearing baseball caps and they're in disguise and they're on the elevator and they're standing next to each other and Rumlow is on the opposite side of the escalator going up and they're going down and she looks at cap and she says kiss me and he's like what (laughs) and she goes public displays of affection make people uncomfortable kiss me and she grabs him and they kiss and it works because rumlow looks away he's like people kissing (laughs) yeah so that's just a really cool scene it's it's pretty funny it leads to a pretty funny joke as they are driving to new jersey And Natasha asks Steve if that was the first kiss that he'd had since he woke up. And his response is, I'm 95. I'm not dead. (laughs) Which is brilliant. I love that. Apparently, some of the scenes between Natasha and Steve, the dialogue was actually written by Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans. 
they're also it also helped with their chemistry in the movie that they are very good friends in real life like yeah. they are good friends yeah this is the fourth movie that they've been in together so they find out that the information they're going to New Jersey. Steve makes the connection that the only thing in New Jersey that it could be is Camp Lee, which is actually where Steve trained in the first Captain America movie where we had the whole like flagpole scene. So there is a bunker there which we find out is a shield bunker. Yeah, it's a bunker that shouldn't be there. Like it's a building that is in the wrong location and it wasn't there when he was there. So he figures out like this is the place to go. They also find a secret elevator in this bunker, and they go down, and it's very old-timey, a bunch of old equipment, and they see there's a pristine USB adapter plugged into all this really old technology. Yes, and some of the some of the cool stuff here, the code that they use to get into the elevator is 8539, which is actually the date of the first Marvel comics. Cool. And then... Natasha makes a War Games reference as she's getting onto the computer. She goes, care to play a game? Which is a reference to War Games, a movie about, you know, a hyper-intelligent computer. Which we find out this is a hyper-intelligent computer because it is Arnim Zola's mind consciousness put into a computer right which arnim zola was the swiss scientist that was helping out red skull in the first captain america movie yeah natasha makes a reference to project paperclip which was a real thing where america got german scientists basically as defectors after world war ii to work with them and arnim zola was part of that and helped out with the forming of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was also working towards developing HYDRA within S.H.I.E.L.D. Correct, and we find out that HYDRA killed Howard Stark. Yes, amongst any number of other things throughout history to to advance their schemes and their plots. One of them was that they killed Howard Stark. Yes, so HYDRA currently is in control of S.H.I.E.L.D. No one knew about it, though, but HYDRA is pulling all the strings. Yes, and then Arnim Zola kind of, like, tells them that he's sacrificing himself to kill them because there are missiles coming, and they are able to get into, like, a vent area or something in the floor so that they survive the blast, and it is kind of sad that, that Zola isn't going to return because he's, he's kind of an interesting, interesting villain, and we, you know, we see him now closer to the comic book version of the character, but apparently there was a deleted scene that didn't even get shot where Arnim Zola uploads himself into a robot and escapes, but that didn't happen, unfortunately, so we don't get to see him again. Sad. So after Cap and Nat, they get out of the blast, they have nowhere to go, and they're on the run, and they're wanted. So they go to Sam. While we're hanging out with Sam, we find out what kind of pararescue trooper <laughs> Sam was, which is he, he he participated in the experimental falcon suit. Yeah. I think it's funny in this scene that Sam is so chill. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, whatever, come on in, I'll help you out. And he jumps at the chance to, to help out with this. We also see that Black Widow is very upset because she makes the comment that she traded in the KJB for Hydra. And she, she, you can see she's so tired of being manipulated. Oh, yeah. And she also has an arrow on her necklace in that scene where she's talking to Sam, which is in reference to Hawkeye. Yeah, there, there are several scenes that you can see her, her arrow necklace, which apparently was Scarlett Johansson's idea to wear that. Yeah. So. That's cool. It is, it is a pretty cool 
a little connection to Hawkeye, who was originally supposed to be in this movie. I found that out today. There was originally supposed to be a scene after the elevator fight where Hawkeye hunts down Cap and fights him. And Steve wins, and Hawkeye basically like tells him to make it look convincing. But because of scheduling conflicts with Jeremy Renner, they weren't able to film those scenes. Wow. So... That is the only reason that Hawkeye isn't in this movie. I never knew he was supposed to be. I saw several things online saying, why were the Avengers not called to help with this? And the reason why is because the Russo brothers said that the events of this movie take place over the course of three days, which would not have been enough time to call the Avengers to assemble. Yeah, like all of this is happening so quickly that no one has a chance to call anybody except Maria Hill because... She's Fury's right-hand woman, so she's the first person that that he thinks of. But then nobody gets a chance to after that. Captain America, Black Widow, and Sam. Their plan is they're going to steal the Falcon suit from Fort Meade, which they do. They get the Falcon suit. Yeah, it's so easy we don't even see it. Right. They they just show up with it. They're like, boom, it's there. There's also a reference to Doctor Stephen Strange. Yes. They go and kidnap... Jasper Sitwell, who in the scene where right before they capture him, we see him talking to Senator Stern from Iron Man 2, who we find out is a member of Hydra, as is Jasper Sitwell. So they capture him and have him on a rooftop and are basically asking him because he, they kind of figure out he was on the Lemurian Star with this information, which means he must be in on it. And so they're they're asking him what Project Insight is actually for. Right, which we figure out that Project Insight, those helicarriers are set to kill anyone who is a threat to Hydra based on their past. Yes, based on their, their internet activity, on their answers to surveys. Basically, Arnim Zola came up with a algorithm that determines if someone is a threat to Hydra. And one of the names that is said by Sitwell when he's listing off possible threats is Stephen Strange. Yeah. Who does not appear in the MCU for another two years. We um, see that the Winter Soldier kills Sitwell and tries to kill... I wrote Cap and Crew. That should be the oh, that should be the title for this episode. <laughs> Cap and Crew. Cap and Crew. Uh, but tries to kill Captain America and everybody. And it's basically we see a fight though between just Nat and Yeah. Oh, not now. I ruined it. Oh, you ruined this. No, wait. Okay. We see a scene, a fight scene between Black Widow and the Winter Soldier, and Black Widow is afraid for most of this fight. She is running and, like, sneaky snooing, but you can see how afraid she is. Yeah, because this this is a fight between two master assassins, but one of them is a super soldier with a metal arm, so there's good reason for it. But yeah, the highway fight is so, so well done. It's so cool. Yeah, we also get to see Cap save Black Widow. Yeah. And honestly, in this fight, there's one scene Black Widow could have taken the Winter Soldier down if he wouldn't have gotten... There's one scene where she, like, tries to choke him out from behind. If he wouldn't have gotten his metal arm between whatever it is she was trying to choke him with and his neck to stop it, she would have won that fight, hands down. Yeah, she had a garrote that she tried to tried to get him with, which the only defense to is throw your hand up, which he was quick enough to recognize right and do but yeah she 
could have killed him if if that hadn't happened. But we get the cool fight scene where then Cap joins the fight and they're throwing the shield back and forth and cool things and explosions. And at the end of that fight, the Winter Soldier's mask gets ripped off and Captain America, he hesitates because we see that it's Bucky. Yep. Bucky Barnes, his best friend since childhood that he thought was dead, is alive and is working for Hydra. Yep. And is actively trying to kill him. And then the Strike Force shows up and captures them. And they're going to kill them right there on the street. But Rumlow stops them because there is news helicopters flying around. And Rumlow knows that S.H.I.E.L.D. still has to uphold a good image. Right. And so, if they assassinate Captain America on live television. Yeah. That would be bad publicity. Yes. So they capture them, and they're all sitting in the back of a of a van, and... Agent Hill saves them! Yeah, Agent Hill is sitting there in SWAT gear, and takes out the other the other guard that's there, and they, they are able to escape, and Hill takes them to some random location where there is a doctor and a very much alive Nick Fury. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, Nick Fury is alive. But yeah, Nick Fury death fakeouts are a normal thing in the comics. Nick Fury uses life model decoys in the comics a whole lot to fake his own death. We get some behind-the-scenes info that uh, Bucky returns back to Hydra and Secretary Pierce is there and they have to continue to wipe his memory. That's how they keep him working for Hydra is they're like electrotherapy shocking him and resetting him, essentially. Yes, and the two like scientist doctor guys or whatever that are there that work with Bucky are played by two comic book authors... Names I did not write down. I do not remember what they are. But they are two comic book authors who originally wrote the Winter Soldier storyline. Wow. And we also see in this scene the machine that goes over Bucky's face when they are wiping his memory and brainwashing him and all that. And the shape of the machine actually matches Scar's on Bucky's face in the first Captain America movie. After Cap saves him originally, when he was being experimented on and was injected with super soldier serum that nobody really thought about, he actually has those scars already, which means that they had already started working on him then. Yeah, they had already started brainwashing him. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. We also have the flashback of Bucky and Cap where they're having a conversation outside of Steve's apartment. Oh, it's right after his mom has died. Yeah, Steve's Steve, mom. Steve's mom died. Uh, and Bucky says, I'm with you till the end of the line. I think the only reason for that flashback is for its importance later on. Yeah, but it's also to show their, their friendship. And it's just Steve is reminiscing about it, yeah. thinking back on it. But then they decide that they they figure out like what they need to do to take down project insight and stop hydra they have to replace the targeting chips in the helicarriers steve is like well i'm gonna need a suit so he goes and goes and steals his world war ii suit from the smithsonian which is where we get our stan lee cameo uh because he is a security guard at the smithsonian and he walks by the exhibit and sees that the suit is gone and he says man i'm so fired yeah that man cannot hold a job no 
just doing something different every time we see him. We also get to see the actor who plays Abed from Community, which makes sense because the Russo brothers directed Community as well as this movie. Yes, and he is not the last Community actor that we will see in an MCU film. Yes, but he is in the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. He's one of the security guards. He is. He is one of the security guards that is not actually a member of HYDRA. He's, he's just a S.H.I.E.L.D. guy that is very willing to put his hands up and comply as Maria Hill comes in and takes over the security office, basically, for the Triskelion. Right. Which we then see this series of events of Secretary Pierce. He brings in the other members of this council that's in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's talking to them. He gives them these cool little pins on their jackets. And they get up to this room and we kind of have a showdown where he reveals that he's a bad guy. And the female council member that it's kind of been focusing on for this whole sequence attacks Secretary Pierce. And we see that it's Nat disguised. Yeah. And she takes off this like cool like little electronic mask thing. Yeah. And she goes, did I step on your moment? But then we also get to see a lot about Nat's past because she's going to release the information that was on that jump drive and like release it to the public. Yeah. It is. It is all of S.H.I.E.L.D. secrets, including hers right and he makes a comment about that he's like everyone's gonna know what you've done but she's still and it it makes her pause you see her face she's like oh well and she does it anyways because they're dumping the hydra and shield data on the web and then we get this like really cool fight scene where falcon is in the fight for a lot of it sam as the falcon is in it for a lot of it but then he gets his wings ripped off and then he's not much help at all yeah because they are steve actually gets over the intercom system and is basically telling all of shield hey hydra has taken over so if you are an actual member of shield the strike team is hydra pierce is hydra don't listen to them stand up for what you believe in and the strike force goes in to the operating room for the tri-carriers and they tell everyone in there they're like launch them and we get the the really cool scene of this one guy who is the one that can give the order to launch and he's just you can tell like he's terrified and he just goes i'm not gonna do that captain's orders and it's such a such a great moment for just this random guy that they show that there are still good people in shield it's not all hydra Right, and we then see Rumlow pull a gun on this guy, and then we get the awesome, in that same scene, we we hear a bunch of guns clicking, and Agent 13, Kate, who came and checked on Steve, she's in that operating center, she stands up for the guy, and she's like, you might want to look around. You heard him, Captain's orders, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents have pulled their guns on the strike force, who have their guns (laughs) pulled on everybody else. It's like a standoff. But unfortunately, Rumlow does shoot Agent 13 in the leg, so he's able to get away, and he pushes the guy out of the way and launches the helicarriers. Yeah, they get the helicarriers launched, and Cap and Falcon go and are working on getting all of the targeting chips changed, because they have to change all three of them in order to actually prevent what is happening and they're working on it we get to see a really cool scene where all of these missiles are following falcon and he goes and does this really cool flip and causes all the missiles to hit 
the glass under bottom of the helicarrier so he can get in to where the where the chip goes but then bucky the winter soldier shows up and is messing things up so that the shield pilots all get killed by him so they can't give air support and he rips falcon's wings off and he goes to stop cap who is trying to get the last targeting chip in which that scene is the best scene probably in this whole entire movie that scene the showdown, the final showdown between Bucky and Cap. And we see in the scene that Cap is very vulnerable because he does not want to hurt Bucky, but he will if he has to. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that he's trying to hurt him. It's He's fighting him so that he can do what he needs to, but he's still not trying to hurt him. Right. And because of explosions and things that I don't even remember why even things are blowing up. Oh, when he gets the chip in, all of the tri-carriers target each other. Because all the bad people are on the helicarriers. Exactly. So they start firing on them, and in the explosions, a large piece of the ship just falls on Bucky, and Steve goes over to try and get him out, and Bucky's like, why are you doing this? I have no idea who you are. You're just my mission, and Steve is like, yeah, but you're my friend and I'm with you till the end of the line. Right. And he says, because throughout this whole fight, he keeps calling him Bucky. And he keeps screaming at him saying, I'm not Bucky. Yeah. And it's it's cool to show that like their, their friendship is so important to Steve that he's willing to sacrifice himself to try and save Bucky. But right. Then, because Bucky beats the crap out of him. Yeah. And then an explosion causes the the bottom to give out, and they both fall into the river. It's not just them, though. The whole helic area comes down. Which, can we please note, Steve likes to go down in big flying vessels and crash them into the water. Yeah. But then we see him get dragged to the shore by by Bucky. Yeah, Bucky, Bucky saves him. Yeah, who disappears. He goes away. He saves him and then leaves because he's he's kind of free from the people that were in charge of him now because they're all all dead. Because like Fury shows up and helps out Nat. They get the stuff sent out. Oh, and all the council members died. All the council members died because the pins that they put on the outfits were like little bombs. Yeah, except for the woman who wasn't actually there because it was Nat. We'd never find out what happened to her though. Right. But basically, the Security Council is no more, and the Triskelion is falling apart because the helicarriers are falling into it, and Falcon is there fighting Rumlow and trying to get out, and Nick Fury has a helicopter, and so the, the three of them are able to get out. A lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are able to get out. Which they rescue Nat because Nat's little pin did go off and it makes her like... She doesn't die, obviously, but... She's she's able to use one of her electro disc things that she usually stuns people with. She activates one on herself that shorts the thing out. And it knocks but, her but out. it knocks her out. But they're able to get the, the upper hand against Pierce and they're able to get out. And in the explosion that... Falcon barely escapes, Rumlow gets caught in it, and so every, everyone is able to get out. All the good guys. All the good guys, yeah, basically. And then we see just the, the denouement 
of of what happens. Yeah, the recap. The, where is everyone now? Yeah, we we get Nat sitting in front of a a board of government people, basically being a witness, giving giving testimony about all of the information that was released. And them saying, you know, we could arrest you for all of the the stuff in here. And she's like, yeah, but you're not going to because you need us. So you know where to find me. So she leaves. We also get to see that Agent 13 has joined the CIA since S.H.I.E.L.D. has disbanded. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. is no more. Hill is at Stark Industries getting a job. <laughs> yes, which is kind of funny because apparently in the comics, at one point, she works under Tony Stark when he joins S.H.I.E.L.D. So they kind of... Flipped that a little bit. We also get to see that Nick Fury goes into hiding. Like, he completely goes off the grid, pieces out. He burns all of his, his reserve of stuff and even burns the eye patch and just puts on sunglasses and disappears. And they have a scene of Fury, Wilson, Rogers, and Romanoff all at Nick Fury's tomb. And Fury basically tells them, if anybody asks for me, they can find me here. And the verse on the tomb is actually a reference to Pulp Fiction because it is the verse that Samuel L. Jackson's character quotes in Pulp Fiction. Then basically Natasha asks Steve what he's going to do now because she brought him the file that she was able to find on the Winter Soldier. She gives it to him and asks if he's going to go hunt down Bucky, basically. And Steve's like, yeah, I have to. And Sam basically says that He's going to help. He's going to go with him. Yeah. And then we get our mid-credits scene where we see that Strucker, uh, who is a member of Hydra. Baron Von Strucker. Yes. He has Loki's staff, which has the Mind Stone in it. Which we still don't know yet. Right. But we see that he's been doing experiments and he mentions the twins. And we get a glimpse of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Yes. the As he calls them, miracles. Right. That, they were the only t- test subjects that survived. Right, which they are Wanda and Pietro Maximoff. Yes. And then we get our after credit scene, which we see Bucky at the Smithsonian, essentially relearning who he was, like learning about his past, because his memory, his memory still messed up, but he, you see him reading about himself. God, Bucky has such a character arc, and you just want to hold him, poor little bean. But yeah, uh, that's that. Do you have anything else you want to say before we rate this movie? No, I I don't think I have anything else. As a movie, how would you rate this? Just as a normal movie. Man, I don't I don't know. I I like this movie. I like that it is as Kevin Feige said, it is a 1970s political thriller disguised as a superhero movie. And I like that. I think it's cool. I like that they kind of branched out with the sequels. And, you know, with Phase 2, they kind of changed how they were doing things. And really changed things for the MCU by destroying S.H.I.E.L.D., basically. It definitely changed the dynamic of things. But, like, as a movie, it's fun. It introduces new characters. It it plays off of the pasts of characters that we know. It does some interesting things with Nick Fury going through, you know not knowing who to trust and probably not even knowing when he's lying to himself because he lies so much. So I I think movie in general, I'm going to say seven. (gasps) That was what I was going to say. Seven. Nice. Okay. So then as a superhero movie, what would you rate this? Because I honestly would rate it higher than a regular movie as a superhero movie. This opened up so many more paths for future things. I would probably rate it more like an 8.5 for a superhero movie. 
yeah, it's it's a pretty cool superhero movie. It's similar to I I don't want to say this, but it's true. It's similar to Iron Man three. In that Iron Man three was Tony Stark as regular man, and Captain America: The Winter Soldier, we we do kind of see Steve Rogers as regular man, but they do it a lot better in this one. Yeah, it, it's the Russo brothers. That's what. <laughs> yeah, and they they develop they develop the character. They develop a lot of the characters. I think that's a lot of what Phase 2 is, is developing all of these characters. Yeah. And, yeah, as a superhero movie, it, it's pretty cool. The action is cool because it's practical effects most of the time. It's really well done. So I think, yeah, I'll put it at an, at an 8 for a superhero movie. Yeah. So pretty high rating so far. Yeah. Yeah. As always, special thanks to Mikhail Bureau for the use of his music for our theme song. You can find a link to his YouTube in the description for the episode. And make sure you guys are following us on Instagram and Twitter. That's where we post all of our updates about when episodes are releasing and all that kind of stuff. And we will be back with Guardians of the Galaxy, one I am really, really looking forward to. Yeah, me too. So thank you guys so much for watching, and have a marvelous day.